0: Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast for another special, special episode. I am one of your hosts, Tumbles, and to the left of me on a couch drinking a cider
1: is... Cranky. Hey, Crank. And this is a special episode because we have our third guest. Very exciting. Uh, Welcome, Chris. How are you?
2: Great. How are you guys? Fabulous. Um...
1: (laughs) so let's start out um we'll get into your background actually let's do quick stats real quick and then you have um an epic hike to start out talking about so we connected through instagram and chris has completed the northeast 111 uh he is almost done with the terrifying 25 and has done numerous other hikes um in addition to that but you said yesterday you had your most epic hike ever
2: i think it was i think so
1: (laughs) let's let's get into it it.
2: it's tied it's tied there uh it's tied with my winter bonds traverse that i did a, a couple of winters ago but i i think that i think what i did yesterday was a lot tougher so uh the most popular route to get up Jefferson and the Whites is the Caps Ridge Trail. And I've done it a couple of times before, and it's on the Terrifying 25 list. And the Terrifying 25 list is a trails list,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and you yes. have
2: to do the entire trail. Yeah, we heard and that from
0: we, Tina a few weeks ago. She was getting through it herself.
2: Right. And after yesterday, I am now at 20. I was at 18 yesterday. Congratulations. So, Thanks, thanks. So yesterday I took, and this hike was inspired by my friend, uh, Brian Twardy, who's, he's Brian hikes all day on Instagram and on YouTube. And he also taught me my sleeping method, which helps me immensely. (laughs) So I took the, I I started at around 8am and I took the Caps Ridge Trail almost to the top of Jefferson. But then I took a right on the cornice which connected me to the Gulfside Trail, and then after descending uh, Gulfside, I took the Mount Clay Loop and summited Mount Clay because there's another list called the New Hampshire YMCA Alpine Club list, and <laughs> okay? It's, uh, and it's uh the it's one hundred mountains it's like the 100 tallest trailed mountains or something in new hampshire that's what it looks like
3: so and lists. i didn't even
2: realize that i had made a lot of progress on that list until recently and saw that i was at like 90 out of 100. so now i'm just chipping away at like a, a like more obscure peak so mount clay was one of those mount clay was my 95th or 96th on that list wow um so i summited Clay. Turned around, came back down Clay, and then I did another terrifying twenty-five trail. I went down the Sphinx Trail, which is on the opposite side of Jefferson from the side that I went up. And the Sphinx Trail, uh, it descends the Great Gulf head wall. It's uh one point one miles, and I believe it drops like thirteen hundred and fifty feet. And uh that wasn't terrible. It was very wet though. So for portions of it, there was like a stream and a trail were like both the same thing and there were some pretty sketchy water crossings that were exposed but i made it down the head wall and then i took the great gulf trail for a little while and then i took the six husbands trail up the other side of the of the great gulf headwall and the six husbands trail is a terrifying 25 trail that i had been putting off for years mm-hmm. and it was tough because Like, I had already basically climbed most of Jefferson and then went off and did clay and then descended down. So then this was late in the day. uh, I I was constantly worried about time. Like, I had headlamps and everything, and I always do really, really long hikes all by myself, and oftentimes in winter. Um, So... It really didn't faze me, but I wasn't that thrilled about descending the worst parts of Caps Ridge after the sun went down. Yeah, I can imagine. I had my eye on the time, and I was really trying to push myself. So uh, I finally got to the Six Husbands, where the Six Husbands turns off from the Great Gulf at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, and I really pushed myself. But then the Six Husbands Trail is a series of ladders. And if you go on my Instagram from like today or yesterday, you can see a bunch of those ladders um, and they're fastened to the, to the rock, but they're still nearly vertical and a little sketchy. Like you can't look down and it's super exposed. And then above the ladders, there was uh, a crazy amount of really sketchy scrambles where you would turn a corner and then it was like a puzzle that you had to solve. You know what I mean? This sounds awesome. This like, sounds how amazing. am I going to get over mm-hmm. this, you know? Oh, I think I think I can stick my toe in that crack and then, like, pull myself up of my arms. So I eventually got to the top of that and then summited Jefferson. And I summited Jefferson at 10 of 7 last night. And then That's... from there, it's like another two and a half miles down to the car. So you, did so... you make
0: it before the sun went down? Because uh, Sunset, I think, is 810 now.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's a sketchy part of Caps Ridge, w- w- which are the actual caps. they are like three, I don't want to call them boulders. They're bigger than boulders. They're just huge pieces of rocks on this ridge, and there's three of them. And I wanted to get through the three caps part of the descent while the sun was still out. And I did. And I watched the sunset from just below the last cap and got <laughs> a whole bunch of pictures of that.
1: That sounds amazing.
2: It, if you look at my Instagram, it has, there's tons of pictures from yesterday of pink and orange skies and everything. It was amazing. Uh, and then I, uh, I I just kept marching down, and eventually I put my headlamp on, and I borderline ran the last mile and then finished at 9 o'clock last
0: night. Well, well, well done. That is amazing. I mean for our listeners listening to this episode you will be quizzed as to how many trails Chris took yesterday
1: <laughs> and how many peaks so how many miles was that total from start it to finish It was only
2: it was only 11.4 but my phone But that's phone a rough
1: said, 11.4. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. My phone said that I did 394 flights of stairs.
1: Wow. Damn. That that's pretty fucking epic.
2: Yep. Yep. Wow. It and was how, definitely a tough 11.4. I can it imagine. Reminded me of It kind of reminded me of doing Giant and Rocky in the Adirondacks, mm-hmm. in that, like, it's either up or down, and it's either a steep up or down. It's not like you get out of your car and then it's flat for a while. Like, it's immediate uphill, and that's mm-hmm. what this hike was like. It was either immediate uphill or immediate downhill, and there wasn't much moderate stuff to do.
0: So this you said was probably your best hike in your hiking history.
2: It was fun. It was and fun. Okay. It was fun, but I also pushed myself harder than I think I've ever pushed myself.
0: Okay, I mean some of the
2: winter. I mean, some of the winter stuff that I've done, I really pushed myself too. Like I did, um, I did winter Redfield alone in the Adirondacks, and, and as part of that hike. I snowshoed across the frozen floodlands twice, um, and I and I I did cliff two weeks before with a friend of mine and had done the same thing, and I did cliff in Redfield, but I ended up. Uh, I wanted to do Cliff and Redfield, but I ended up only doing Cliff because uh, I had to use my ice axe and it was getting late. And I knew that after lands it was still like another five miles or so of snowshoeing in the dark back to Upper Works. So I was just like, fuck it. I did Cliff. I'm going to come back and do Redfield in two more weeks. So preparing for those kinds of things,
3: mm-hmm.
2: th- that like I really have to push myself for those things a lot too. No, absolutely. Uh, but, like, yesterday with the constant uphill and worrying about the time yeah. and, and all of that, um, I really pushed myself hard. It was very difficult, but it was also a lot of fun. And I felt a huge sense of accomplishment. Yes, would... The views <laughs> were amazing. And <laughs> it was just a great, a great, great hike. I loved
0: it. That sounds wonderful. I mean, how long have you been hiking? Can you give us a bit of your background?
2: I've been doing hiking as far as mountains go Mm. and that includes like little things in southern new england for about 14 or 15 years but the uh like really pushing myself hard and doing like at least a hundred mountains a year, wow um, I'm coming up on ten years like i yesterday were mountains number one hundred and ten and one hundred and eleven for me for twenty twenty one and in twenty twenty I did like a hundred and sixty two mountains i'll probably go af- i'll probably go over that this year
1: he has five months to go that's amazing Until the end of this year. so you never like we're starting to get into that um This is our fifth year hiking. Fourth or somewhere in there. Fourth or fifth. Yeah, it'll be our fifth year. Yeah. (coughs) And this is the first year where we didn't stop. Normally, like in previous years, we stopped like November-ish. And and we
0: focused on running instead of of hiking.
1: And then would pick it up in April. So last year with COVID was um, the first year where we didn't stop. We got snowshoes and we're just starting to get into... Winter, winter hiking. yeah, winter summits. And so it sounds like you just don't st- stop. You go year round, I'm assuming. Right.
2: Like I, I also, like you mentioned a couple lists that I finished, but I finished a whole bunch of other ones too. And like, I, I have my Catskill 35, but I'm also, I also have my single season winter 35.
1: Well done. What, yes. Um, we were going for our winter 35 and then I got COVID and that kind of put a stop to that. understood, yeah. Yeah. And then we just kind of got with it and now we found the whites
2: <laughs> and so, the adirondacks, the adirondacks? I, I gotta tell you uh, i definitely love winter hiking and like i consider all the hiking that i do year-round is me training for winter hiking and yeah. that's not just physical but it's also psychological like um i go alone a lot yeah and uh and that includes you know driving three or four hours and then being alone all day long like starting in a headlamp and finishing in a headlamp and maybe seeing two other people all day and then you know driving three or four hours home and there's you know so much i mean oftentimes in the back of your head um you know, I'll want to quit, or I'll be like, Oh, you don't need to do three mountains today, you can only do one and then turn around and go back, or whatever. And a lot of it is fighting through that yep. as much as it is physical. Um, but winter hiking takes so much more that you have to put into it. Yes, and as much as I loved days like yesterday where I was in shorts and you know, I got to take my time and everything like that. Uh, I really love uh, the winter, and I, I'll tell you, you know, there are lots of days already now where I really miss the winter, and I would love to have, like, a day or a weekend of snowshoeing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more the mental than it is for you. Yes. definitely. So I, I can totally understand the mental is really the majority of the problem. You, you are probably in, in top physical shape. For what you do. And we're not I'm not. I'm not. You're I'm not. you're not for all the <laughs> no. peaks that
2: you do no. I'm I'm working on it, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not where I want to be. I'm not okay.
1: where I want to be. Wow. That's that's really impressive. Um, yeah,
2: I was. No, make- it's not. No, it's not. I, well, I, just your attitude. You suck,
0: and what you do sucks. <laughs> it's amazing what you do.
1: <laughs> just your attitude of constantly, like, I want to be better and push myself, mm. is fucking awesome. Um, we have the advantage since we hike together. Like when one of us is not doing great, there's that support. So like you said, just being out there, just being awake for that long and being, you have to be really comfortable with yourself because you're with yourself for that amount of time with with no one else. You're absolutely right. That's got to be a pretty intense mental game.
2: I also, I also, you know, to go back to what we were just talking about, I, I, uh, there was a time when I would use hiking as an excuse to overeat at the end of the day.
3: Okay. And, <laughs> yeah. <and, but,
2: laughs> Now I just want to throw in there that I am keto and I do a lot of intermittent fasting. And I oftentimes will do like a 72 hour fast and then do a big hike during that fast and only replenish myself with water and electrolytes. And that's part of how I continue to really push myself harder and harder and become more physically fit. And that's what I meant by I'm not as physically fit as I would like to be.
0: Well, okay. Understood. I mean, that was going to definitely be one of our questions towards more towards the end of but the we'll podcast. But we'll do it now. I mean, how how and how are you feeling during this seventy two hour fast while you're really exerting I feel yourself? Fine. You feel I fine. I feel fine. Wow.
2: I feel fine as long as I'm as long as I'm replenishing with electrolytes and electrolytes aren't you know um, Gatorade or liquid IV or something in a pouch that you get. I actually buy magnesium and potassium okay. supplements and I and I mix salt into my water and I drink a lot of water mm-hmm. during that time and even even if I'm not fasting I don't take any carbs with me on any of my hikes. So the only things that I take are like sugar free. I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes I bring a Quest brand cookie with me and eat it a half hour before I start my hike. But if I had a big dinner the night before, I only have a bulletproof coffee in the morning and then start my hike. Um, and then on my hikes, I take like uh, pork rinds, um, beef jerky with no added sugar. Um, uh, cans of mackerel or sardines in olive oil, mm-hmm. and I bring like a fork and a Ziploc bag to dispose of it, so that nothing smells like fish. Right. Yep. You know. But a, but a lot of times I'm not even when I have food. Like I had food yesterday, but I didn't eat anything um, past noon, and I finished my hike at nine o'clock at night. And wow. I had plenty of I had plenty of food on me, mm-hmm. but like. I couldn't I couldn't eat anything. Like I, I had no appetite whatsoever. I I I was thirsty and I was, you know, drinking water throughout the day, but zero appetite at all afternoon. And then I ate a very small dinner when I finished last night. When I, when I got back, but that was it. And like, uh, It's very difficult for me to eat anything during my hikes. And in the wintertime, it's even harder because you have to take off your pack yep. and then... Go, you might have to take off your outer layer of yes. Pump, so then you risk, then you risk, you know, getting your hands cold, and just by stopping you and get getting cold. food or whatever, you get cold too. Yeah. So then you have to start hiking again for like twenty minutes or so to get warm again, and all of that. So a lot of times in the winter time, I'll have food on me, um, but as long as I'm drinking water, I don't stop and eat, and and then I just eat everything when I finish my hike. Because um I, I don't want to stop and get cold. Don't but it's win. very difficult for me to be hungry on my hikes.
1: How long have you been doing the keto? Uh
2: only since April first. Okay. okay. Um so do you But I dropped I dropped forty pounds in that
1: time. Congratulations. So do you feel was there an adjustment period to get used to that where your body had to get used to that? And if so, like how long did that take?
2: There really wasn't and I'm I've been reading more stuff lately that uh, endurance athletes are more likely to be fat adapted, but I haven't found a lot of stuff on there. But I didn't I didn't get – I didn't feel sick. Uh, I didn't get headaches like other people talk about. Um, and a lot of the things that are keto-friendly like sardines and pork rinds and – fish and salmon and uh or like a steak or cheese things like that are things that i really like to eat anyway so it wasn't that it wasn't that difficult for me to to just cut out you know pasta and bread and rice and all of that kind of stuff it wasn't that difficult at all and i would say after a couple of weeks uh it was very easy
0: yeah. So I, I know Atkins very well. So what is the difference between an Atkins diet and a keto lifestyle? A
2: keto is high, in, is high in fat. It's, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't count calories. I only count my macros. Okay. And I, I, and I, so I do, uh, 5% of what I eat is carbs. And then, uh, 20% is protein. And then 75% is fats. And I only eat omega-3s or things that are rich in omega-3s I should say so the only oil that I consume or cook with is uh extra virgin coconut oil um avocado oil or olive oil and those are the only oils that I use and I eat foods that are rich in omega-3s like salmon and mackerel and sardines and anchovies and herring um and, and so the Atkins is really heavy on the proteins mm-hmm. but i you know i i don't eat that much protein i eat okay. a lot of fat okay so i eat a lot of sour cream and avocados oh and i see sometimes i drink olive oil right out of the container <laughs> um, and, delicious. I, and i and i put um mct oil in my coffee mm-hmm. which is uh, medium chain mm-hmm. triglycerides um and when I have uh, a bulletproof coffee like that lately and I hike, I feel awesome for like the first two or three hours. It's so much energy. Wow.
1: Wow. (laughs) All right. Very cool. Um, And yeah, congratulations. That seems to be really working for you. Um, So yeah, I think you're the first person that we've talked to um, since we've started our hiking that has, you know, this much of a regimented diet and it that's fantastic that it's working that well for you. Um, So along with that, you mentioned that your friend taught you uh, your sleeping schedule, which when you and I were going back and forth on Instagram to set this up, I was pretty impressed because it's something that neither of us could do. But um, (laughs) living far away from trails, how do you manage to do all of this within a 24 hour span?
2: Well, I prepare for it two days ahead of time,
1: which we don't. So you have
2: to, and you have to yes. have discipline. You have to have discipline. Uh, so let's say that you wanted to hike on a Saturday in the Adirondacks, but it's a four <laughs> it's a four hour drive, or maybe a five hour drive. Yes, for you two, right. Sounds
0: right. Familiar. You want to do that yep. on
2: Saturday morning, right? <laughs> yeah. But you're not staying up there the night before, or it's the winter time, or something like. In you know, you're tired at, at the end of the day on Friday. Usually, you don't feel like driving. You don't want to drive in rush hour. So, on Thursday night, <laughs> only sleep four hours, and that could be like. You know, you go to bed at 11 and sleep till 3 or midnight oh. to 4. That's usually a good one. And I have an alarm clock that makes my entire bed vibrate. <laughs> okay. It, it wakes you up. It wakes you up. So you know? there's
1: no snooze so option.
2: Yeah. So I'll purposely only sleep four hours on Thursday night. Okay. And then uh, Friday... I don't have any coffee and I deprive myself of caffeine all day. And if I can, I'll get in like a uh, three mile trail run in the morning before
1: work. You don't get headaches um, from doing that? Cause if I go without caffeine, which is a sign of addiction, I know, but if I go without <laughs> caffeine, I, I get the headaches.
2: I mean, it's one day or one week. Right. Out of
1: your okay. Mouth, you
2: know, that's yeah. how I look at it. Like, uh and i'm hard on myself for not being tough enough if i let things like headaches stop me so whatever it is i just fight through it okay and uh and then you know by four o'clock or five o'clock in the afternoon i'll take five or ten milligrams of melatonin Mm -hmm. and fall asleep very easily and I set my alarm for midnight or 1am and I'll wake up at that time and then have coffee. And by that time you just had seven or eight hours of sleep. It's a little eerie because I wake up and I'm totally wide awake and I take a shower and I get in my car and it's you know, one o'clock in the morning. And so there's people who are like finishing up their night and I'm yes. just starting my day. And I have lots of nights where, you know, I'm driving for four or five hours between, you know, 1 a.m. and sunrise, and the only other vehicles on the highway are tractor trailers, or you see nobody, you see nobody. And I listen to music, or I listen to podcasts, uh, and I get to the trailhead, usually at sunrise or before it, and then I hike all day long. And then I get in my car, and I drive four hours back home. And, uh, you know, sometimes I I drink energy drinks. Uh, I'm a big fan of the energy drink bang. Uh, Yeah, we
1: got into that last year a little bit. Yes.
2: It's zero calories. It has has amino acids in it. Uh, So it's great for uh, recovery after a hike. Uh, and the, some of the flavors are really authentic. I'm a, I've been a huge fan of the uh, key lime pie flavor. It really tastes like key lime pie. That sounds delicious. You can taste the you can taste the whipped cream. I'm telling you. Okay.
1: <laughs> I remember cotton candy. Um yes, is is the good. one that I remember. Uh, yes, and then I s- had that
2: one too. And okay. there's one called like rainbow unicorn, and it tastes yes. Just yes, like, just I think this is it, cranky like, like that, like that one. Yes. <laughs> i didn't so know rainbow I, you know, I'll unicorn tasted like candy I'll drink, I'll drink diet mountain dew sometimes because it's only 10 calories um and then yeah I, i've never fallen asleep at the wheel a couple of times i've had to pull over in rest areas and took like a yep. one hour nap and then woke up and drove the rest of the way um But it works. And then, you know, the next night I sleep a lot longer. Right. Mm. Um, But even if I'm going somewhere for, like, three days or something like that, I'll start the first day that way. Okay. And, like, why not, you know?
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, like you said, discipline. Um, We have the advantage of, there's two of us, so we usually... Go to bed early ish, like
0: nine. Nine.
1: Wake up at one or two in the morning, and then we can switch off cause driving, because there are two of us. But yeah, yes. when you're by yourself, like that's a that's a pretty good trick. It takes a lot of discipline. So fantastic. Um so let's get in, because we're already twenty-five minutes in, amazingly. Um, let's start talking about the Northeast 111. So for those of you that don't know what it is. It's the, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's the 4,000 foot mountains in the northeastern states of the United States. So you have uh, 67 of them in New England, 48 in New Hampshire, 14 in Maine, 5 in Vermont. You've got the 46 Adirondacks, um, and then you've got um, a handful in the Catskills. You have two
2: in the Catskills. You have two. Hunter and Slide. Oh, right. Okay. But if you add if you add all those numbers up, it comes out to 115 and not 111.
3: Okay.
0: Um,
2: and I, I, from what I understand, they still call it the 111 out of tradition. Okay. I thought for a while that the di- the four peak difference was the fourth out the four adirondack high peaks that are actually under four thousand feet but somebody corrected me and told me that was not the case and it actually refers to uh an older version of the new england list so it's called but anyway it's called the northeast 111 but it really you have to do 115 mountains in order to have completed it because in order to um to qualify for it, you have to have your New England 67 and you have to be an
1: Adirondack 46er and you have to have done the two peaks and the Catskills. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is impressive. How long did it take you to get those 115?
2: Well, it's hard to say because there's never been a point in time where I was like working on any one list. Okay. And... Even though I've completed a lot of lists, it's never been about completing lists. And, you know, the evidence for that is that it took me, like, three years to send in for my New England 67 patch. Okay, And I just just sent it in, actually, like, a month ago. Because somebody asked me what number I was, and I was like, oh, I never sent it in. (laughs) So the day that I sent in for my 46... I also sent in for my 67 and my New England 100 highest, which I also did not send in for. But anyway, there are other lists that I was working on, like the New England 100 highest, and I finished the New Hampshire 52 of the View, and I was working on the cat skills list and everything. So and there's a lot of hikes that I do in southern New England, too. So the... 48 the original 48 in new hampshire was the first one that i finished and that took me 23 months uh and i finished that in the summer of 2016 but during that time i did like old spec and uh um, i think all of the five in vermont also like while i was getting my 48 and while i was getting my 48 i also you know did some cat skill peaks and so i was all over you know so kind of sounds like us a little bit Mm And you know what? There was a point where I had everything except 13 of the 14 main peaks. So um, in one week in July, by myself, I went to the Raisley Lakes area and I did the 10, 4,000 footers there in four days. And it was um, July 4th that week, whatever days of the week that was in 2017. And then uh, I went to Baxter shortly after that and did uh, Baxter and Hamlin Peaks at Katahdin. And the next day I finished my new england 67 on north brother and then um i had also been working on the new england 100 highest list at that time and i finished that a year later at south brother ironically um and then uh you know the catskills i, I became a single season Catskill winner 35er in the winter between 2016 and 2017
1: okay as well that winter right there i banged all those out in like 12 weekends
2: and um, even the, so for the Catskill list, you have to repeat four of them in the yes. winter time., yeah. yep. but since I was doing a winter one, I had to do those four twice in a winter in the winter. So my single season was uh, 39 Catskill peaks in a single winter. And I did that during that time. And then I had also picked off some Adirondack peaks. So then I was stuck at 18 out of 46 in the Adirondacks for a while, and it was all that I had left because I was working on other stuff in New England. And then last summer, I did Giant and Rocky on, like, a random day in August. And it was awesome, and I had amazing views (laughs) on Rocky. And then I was like, Chris, what are you doing, man? I was like, these are, you know, brand-new 4,000-footers that you haven't done yet. Like, get with the program. So... Uh, I then did, like, 20 Adirondack Peaks in six weeks, I want to say. Like, I remember one day I did the lower Great Range, and then the next day I did Whiteface and Esther. And then, um, like, one weekend my friend Rob met me and we did the Santanoni Range in one day. And, unfortunately, Alan was one of the first ones that I did period so that was part of the original 18 that I had done mm. and then uh my friend Brian who taught me the sleeping schedule <laughs> he did the Seward range with me in a single day I would say the most epic um Adirondack hike was uh when I did uh Saddleback and Basin And the garden was full, so I did it from the lodge. And I did it as a single-day loop where I went and did basin first from the lodge. And then after I did Saddleback, I took that ore bed trail all the way down the other side of it. And then I went past that lodge, and I went through Klondike Notch, which was, like, another six miles. And I went through Klondike Notch, like, after the sun went down. (laughs) And I remember, like, running into some random guy who was camping back there, and he couldn't believe that I was there like at that hour and it was still further after that like I had a I got to some gate and then kept walking and it eventually brought me to Adirondack Lodge Road but I was still like a mile from the parking lot so I was like walking up that road and I was dying like I started that hike at 4:30 in the morning and I didn't finish it until 10:30 at night and then I got wow. in my car then I got in my car and drove 4 hours home so then oh my god I only <laughs> had like 3 or 4 peaks left so I did I did Marshall uh like the day before Thanksgiving and then I did Cliff sometime in like late january or early february and then i went back and did redfield two weeks later and i had saved big slide for my finish and uh me and my friend uh rob gulo from connecticut uh we went and did big slide and we it was another one of these like drive through the middle of the night things and we actually watched the sunrise on one of the brothers um and we, we summoned it on April third, and I had a I, I brought a sign that said that I was a 46er, and I had my I finished the one hundred um, and fifteen, and I brought a bottle of champagne with me, <laughs> very nice. And there were uh, there were two pine martins on the top, so I got a ton of pictures and video of these two pine martins just like chilling out. And there were like a dozen people on there, and they sort of helped celebrate. And then as i was hiking down i ran into a random hiker who uh who actually was following me on instagram i didn't even realize it and um we met and chatted briefly and then he had an extra 46er patch and just gave it to me oh, cool. so then oh, i had a 46er patch uh, handed to me on the hike where i finished it you know and then uh and then I have, uh, there, I, I know a guy named Jonathan Zaharik. Who, yes. Uh, does it, it, and um, he, he's a friend of a friend. And I ran into Jonathan almost at the end of the big slide hike. And he was on his second or third hike of the day. Um, wow. And I, I forget what time it was when we finished. I think it might have been pretty early. I think uh, I think it was like one, one or two in the afternoon maybe. I'm not sure, but I think it was his third hike of the day, and I immediately recognized him. So it was cool meeting him. I took a selfie with him. That's really cool. And that was it. That was uh, the day that I finished my 115. It was uh, April 3rd, 2021.
0: That is an epic, epic story, and well done to you just completing that actually this year. But
1: afterwards did you go to Wyatt's Tex-Mex <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't know um Jonathan Sahark is sponsored by Wyatt's Wyatt. um I think he might have worked there at one point too but at the end of he works at, at the read, come yeah, on yeah okay I keep up. Keep up, Cranky. <laughs> so at the end of every one of his... At the beginning or at the end of every one of his videos... Um, there's sponsored. Always no, sponsored by Wyatt's, Wyatt's Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex. <laughs> um, so... <laughs>
0: I wonder if they have keto at Wyatt's Tex-Mex, though.
2: They don't. Oh, okay. okay.
1: <laughs> All
2: right. I don't eat. I don't eat rice. I don't eat beans, and yeah. I don't do tortillas. You so you're not really left with much after that, Fair right? Enough.
1: So so no, no Wyatt's. Wyatt's. No Wyatt's. Okay. No no
2: no. You know where <laughs> I stop? There's a there's a 24 hour mobile station in Pottersville. <laughs> it's the exit that you take to get to the upper work slot. Yes. And, uh, and it's like the last gas station for like an hour until you get to upper works so uh, even if I'm uh, even if I'm further north I get off the exit on my way home for upper works and go to that mobile station and they have all sorts of food and energy drinks including bang <laughs> and uh, yeah I always stop there yep this yep.
1: Episode is brought to you by Bang Energy Drinks. <laughs> I wish. Give us money. <laughs> um.
0: Well, in your Adirondack expedition, what was your favorite peak and least favorite peak?
2: My least,
1: least favorite. Please say was, Phelps. Uh, please, uh, yes,
2: please say Phelps. <laughs> no. Oh, no, damn it. Phelps is not my least favorite. Phelps is gorgeous. It had oh. beautiful views. I think I did it in winter, actually. Um,. Mm. No my least favorite was Kucha Shraga, oh. and it pisses me off because it's one of those dumb under four thousand yep <laughs> and it's and not only is it like it's not barely under four thousand it's like thirty seven fifty or something and the fact that you have to descend a lot before you like go up at the end and you oh. have to cross a swamp and Eat then you that. turn around and you cross that swamp again and then you have to hike back up and it you know, it's it's uh it's a herd path. It's not a real trail, so it's straight up, and it's you know mud and everything. So Kootenay Raga, definitely hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. My favorite, um, you know, I I think I might have to come back to Rocky Peak Ridge. Okay, I I, you, you can't beat that view. We're I looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, we're actually going to try that for our first winter Adirondack peak.
2: It's super underrated. Um, you can see most of Lake Champlain. You can see Burlington, Vermont, from there wow. on a clear day. Cool. Um, you can see Camel's Hump and Mansfield from there because it's the easternmost. It's. I really think Rocky uh, Peak Ridge is my favorite.
0: Cool. All right. There were we'll other. There were
2: others that I really love too, like Dial and Nipple Top, and uh, I really love doing the Dix Range. But I, you know, I thought about this recently, and I'm going to go at
1: Rocky. Cool. Nice. Out of the three main regions that are on um, the 111 list, so you've got your New England, you got your Adirondacks, then you got, and then you have your handful in the Catskills. What's your, what was your favorite region out of those three?
2: My favorite is definitely New England. Like i yeah, lived in New, I've, I've lived in New England my whole life, born and raised, um, and it's. It's not just the 111, but it's other things that yep. are offered to me as well, as far as hikes go. Uh, um, I'm not going to talk bad about the Adirondacks, <laughs> but I don't think they, I, I don't think they're as as nice as the Whites. I, I really agree. Don't. We
1: agree. <laughs> we started in the Catskills. I had done Devil's Path, part of Devil's Path, um, years ago with a friend, and then when we started hiking. We did the entire thing. And we were like, oh, the Catskills is great. And we did a bunch there. Then we Last went, year, we went up to do the
0: Wolf Jaws.
1: And we are like, oh my gosh. This is amazing. Adirondacks is so much better than the Catskills. <laughs> this is incredible. And then last year, June, we started the Whites. And we are like, oh, screw the Adirondacks. The Whites is the best. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I would completely agree. And as we keep moving north, they just keep getting nicer and nicer.
2: Well, I I really like Maine a lot, too, and a lot of people only think of, you know, Baxter Baxter. State Park and they think of Maine, but I'm telling you, the Ten Peaks in the Rangeley area, like Saddleback, Saddleback Horn, the Two Peaks on Bigelow Ridge... um, Abraham, Spaulding, Sugarloaf, The Crockers, and Reddington. Um, I I think those are amazing. I think the Bigelow Ridge in Maine rivals the Franconia Ridge in New Hampshire. Others okay. may not agree, others may not agree with me, but I really love the Bigelow Ridge and I really love Saddleback and Saddleback Horn. They're absolutely incredible. Um, and I know I, I feel like there are a lot of people in the Adirondacks who look down on the whites um, who because they say that the trails are easy in the whites, but I mean, I'm almost done with the terrifying 25 list and maybe except for the trap dyke, I don't know of any Adirondack hikes that are anything like a bunch of the terrifying 25 trails that I've done. Um, and you know, a lot of the Adirondack trails are really poorly constructed. Yes. yes. And So um, I was, they're not, they're not environmentally sustainable. Nope. No, and not. a lot of people in the, Ad- I also feel like the Adirondacks has a you're not welcome kind of attitude. Um, yes. The, so the, I, some
1: of the towns I would agree. Yes. Um, I also
2: think with the hiking community, I think, um, really? Okay. There, I think there are a lot of people in the hiking community are focused on overuse too much. Yep. Um, and, you know, we see that with the AMR permit thing, mm-hmm. which I don't even have an opinion
1: on. Um, the spikes on the side of Route 9 are great, um, the, the, the new spikes, which I was actually listening to Jonathan Saharik's, Um he does monthly updates, and I, I was kind of laughing my ass off, which I didn't even tell you this. Um, at the beginning, <gasps> when they first put those spikes up, uh, I don't know if it was out of town hikers or locals, but a lot of them were cut Good. or bent, and they had to replace them. Which, yeah. I yeah. So for those of you that don't know, in order to keep people away, um, I'm not even sure is it the towns that have done that or the state. I'm not even sure, but they've now closed off a lot of the, the parking. parking areas with uh, wonderful uh, spikes where you can't get in. It's a major safety hazard, because if you ever have to pull off on the side of the road, now you can't.
0: This is right uh, outside of Keene, actually. As you're driving towards Keene and Lake Placid, these spikes are placed on the side of the road where there was formerly legal parking.
1: So you're absolutely right about the you're not welcome kind of attitude in the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm.
2: There are are mountains in the Adirondacks that I'll keep doing over and over again until I can't walk. Um, And I will do some of those in the future, but uh, I definitely don't feel very welcome there, and I would rather spend my time in New Hampshire or Maine. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. And you are absolutely right about how the trails are constructed. Um, You obviously have a lot more done than we do, but just the little bit that we've started comparing the two regions... Um, we've noticed, yeah, okay, so the whites are higher in elevation, but these trails are a lot nicer, and it's, well... We say that the Appalachian
0: Mountain Club cares more than the state.
1: Yes. Yeah, the
2: Adirond... Things like switchbacks are environmentally sustainable, and Mm -hmm. um, they prevent erosion. Uh, And like you can see the difference between a well-maintained trail and something that is not. And a lot of the stuff in the Adirondacks just goes straight up the mountain. And when it rains, the water has nowhere else to go. And instead of, you know, instead of focusing on keeping hikers away or, um, you know, blaming hikers for everything, I don't understand. I mean, I've seen things written about it. Like, they should start um changing those trails and building new trails and you know there's a lot of reroutes. like i buy a lot of guidebooks i don't i don't use all trails i think all trails is garbage i um, <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> I, you know I, I i i rely on guidebooks and maps and uh you know other people's
3: trip we reports
2: that I might mm-hmm. read, but um, I think All Trails is garbage, and I think that you'll never be a true hiker um, um, until you can release uh, All Trails, like give up the apps, give up technology. You know, people a hundred years ago they didn't have a little mini computer in their hands. <laughs> they also use your phone for. You can use your phone for great things, you know? Um, No, you're absolutely
0: right. I mean, we we use all trails, admittedly, and we have definitely found that a lot of the trails are either not there, they're orally recorded and we just get mad
2: <laughs> and they don't give you the context so you can't see all the other trails that are surrounding it like you can with a map right like there's regions right. of the whites where it looks like a spider web if you look at the map because of the vast trail networks but you'll never know with all trails but the reason i brought that up is that in a lot of my guidebooks. to return to an earlier point um A lot of the guides will say, you know, you turn left here and you avoid... This is a reroute of, like, an older version of this trail and everything. And there's a lot of that in there. So, um, you know... You, you can make changes to trails, you know, you can add switchbacks, you can add reroutes and things like that over the years. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about trail building besides what I've read. I've never built a trail or anything like that. But I think the state of New York has enough money to, to do things like that.
1: Agreed. Uh, yes, we agree. It's just what they prioritize. Um, exactly. But yeah, we've on our last Adirondacks, we did both um we had all trails going and then had my we map. had your maps yeah. and that that really worked for us so um but yeah very I cool just,
2: i would just add that in the in the bushwhacking community and let me remind you that 15 of the 35 yes. Catskill still high peaks are technically bushwhacks and a whole bunch of them on the New England 100 highest list are bushwhacks yeah. i'll tell you yep. bush in the bushwhacking community they don't even like people tying ribbons in, into trees to show paths. Um, and they really look down on people, you know, using a phone to look at somebody else's GPS track in order to find the summit. It kind of defeats the purpose of bushwhacks. Purists, Yes. Yeah, I, I get that. that.
1: Yeah, I get it. Um... So we've got about fifteen minutes left. You mentioned the terrifying twenty-five, and we just learned about this a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, let's go into that a little bit. What was the most terrifying, terrifying on the on that list, in your opinion?
2: So far, it was yesterday. Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: Six husbands trail. Okay. Yeah, I have read about The Six Husbands
1: as you? Does it live up to the hype, um, having done all of these peaks? Like, it's billed as, obviously, the Terrifying 25. Does it live up... Do a lot of them live up to that? Or is it Yeah,
2: like, there's a lot of them where you definitely should not go down them. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of them where you definitely should not go up them if it's wet or icy.
1: Okay. Definitely, yeah. Okay, very
2: Um, cool. (laughs) Some of them look worse than they actually are like there's a 20 of them are mandatory and then I believe you choose 5 out of a list of 15 for the other ones so for the choose 5 out of 15 ones some of those I'm like oh that's on that list like I didn't even realize it like it wasn't that bad to me Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of them they just look bad like from afar but when you actually go to do them they're not that bad like The Beaver Brook Trail or the Carter Ledge Trail, Middle Sister and Chikorua. like that's on that list. But there are the twos, five out of fifteen. But out of the twenty mandatory ones, um, I would say like all of them had some sections that gave me some sort of pause, and and then there were some of them that I dread and I dreaded doing. Like there was one called King Ravine. And it's a way to get up Mount Adams, and it it climbs the King Ravine headwall. And it's not—it's not straight. I'm making a note. It's like diagonally, Um, but it involves getting around a lot of boulders and stuff, Mm -hmm. like um, crawling up boulders or just you know, really, really rocky trails. Uh, But something that added to that was in between some of these boulders, there would be like a 50 foot deep gap and you would have to do, like, a leap of faith and hope that your foot didn't slip or something. Um, but I made it more. through there, but when I did the <laughs> King trail, at one point, on the part that was still flat, some girl um, freaked out and started crying oh. and her, her hiking partner had to turn around and go back
0: out the this other way. This is, like, the second hiking crying story yes. we've heard. One from Tina, and now from you.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I ran into a woman crying on the Saddleback Cliffs. She was above me on the Saddle back cliffs like halfway up them and she was crying too i had to show her where to put her hands and her feet and i was like trying to calm her down and i was like a lot of other people have done this trail before it's really easy but like we couldn't go down we were halfway up it right right
1: yeah that sounds like people that hear about these things want to have an adventure but are not prepared and that's how people get themselves into trouble
2: well, these are, like, the King Ravine, though, and Saddleback Cliffs, they are, they, I can see how they can be extremely scary. Like, mm-hmm. yesterday on Six Husbands, like, I texted a friend of mine and was like, yeah, like, you can't be afraid of heights and do that trail that I did just now. Like, the, there were a whole bunch of ladders, and then at the top of one of the ladders is, like, a slick ledge, I would say. Like, it, you know, it it didn't, it wasn't, like, super steep, um, but it wasn't something that I could walk on either. And on the left-hand side, it was, like, really exposed. Like, if, if somebody, like, walked off the side of that, they'd be dead. It was, like, an over 1,000-foot drop on the wow. left side of the thing. So, like, right at the top of the ladders, I had to crawl up the other part of it until, like, I hoisted myself up onto, like, a piece of flat ground. And then, you know, I exhaled. And I was like, <laughs> all right, now I now I feel better, you know?
1: That sounds amazing. I'm also making a note of that. Um, you had men- but I brought up
2: King ravine because I have to go back and do King ravine again because there's um three other three of the five trails that I have left on the terrifying 25 require me to access them by going like three of the way up King ravine okay and those are um, the subway Sheminde dam and um I think it's like the great gully or the yeah, I think it's the Great Gully Trail. But in mm-hmm. order to do those, I have to, to access them. They both are connected to King Ravine, so I have to go back to King Ravine next year.
0: Cool. Oh, so you're saving that for next year then?
2: I think so. I think so.
0: All right. So what is now the next hike you're doing? Since you did one yesterday, are you going this weekend?
2: No. I actually have non-hiking plans this weekend, <laughs> okay. which was right. shocked. Would probably shock many, many people, but I have hike. I have non-hiking plans this weekend. Um, well, you know what? I I think I'm going to do a hike on Saturday morning. After. There you I go. <laughs> be, I have somewhere to be Saturday night. Um, I think I'm going to do something close, no four thousand footers. I'm going to do something close that I can squeeze into a day, including the driving. So probably either Greylock in Massachusetts or, yes. a, Scut- or a Scutney in Vermont. Mm-hmm. They're both only two hours from me, and I do, I do both of them a lot. Okay. So if I want, like... If I want a lot of elevation gain, and I usually do want a lot of elevation gain, I do Greylock or a Scutney because they're close. Sure. And I should mention that Greylock and a Scutney are both on the New England 50 finest list, which is a list <laughs> of the 50 peaks in New England with the most topographical prominence. And it includes things like Mansfield and you know Lafayette. Um, but it's only a prominence list. And uh, Greylock is, I think, the only Massachusetts mountain on any list that I've ever worked on. But that's a great list if you want a whole bunch of uphill. So many okay. lists.
1: So, yes. So
2: little uh,
0: life.
1: <laughs> I know. This is an OCD person's dream. Um have you done Mount Race in Massachusetts? It's on the AT. It's small, but yeah, it's like, it sucks.
2: 60 okay. mean, oh like 60 times. Okay. god. 60 times. It so, does
1: not suck. So this is I hate that mount. It, no, it has a waterfall. It has
2: a waterfall. Um it's not horrible. So I grew up only an hour from there and mm-hmm. then And that's in the Southern Taconics. So, like, years before I ever hiked in New Hampshire, I hiked in the Southern Taconics, and that's where I got my start. So, you know, Bear Mountain in Connecticut, but then, like, Race and Everett in Mm. Mass. And then um, also on that plateau is Allender and Brace and Mount Frey. And Lions Head in Connecticut. So all of those I've done like fifty, sixty times. No joke. And there's a loop of all of them that I do. That's almost thirty miles. And Have one time fun. I, one time I did it by my. <laughs> one time I did it by myself. I did it during in April during COVID, all by myself. In oh, April yeah. of 2020. And then I went back and did it with a friend of mine uh, a few months ago.
1: Well, you and I can do that then, since my hiking partner and <laughs> oh, podcast co-host hated it. hates that mountain. So. It's not
2: that special. It's, I'm with her. I'm with her. I'm, I'm Hashtag. With her. Hashtag. Hashtag.
1: Another <laughs> Tumbles 2024, I'm with her. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. We, we did it um, on one of our AT section. Last year. Yeah, yeah, on one of our AT section hikes last year. And it was towards the end of the day. And it was hot as hell. And you were miserable going up. Um, because it has a very steep... Incline, especially at the end of the day with like 90 degrees. Um, but I really enjoyed the summit, and walking along the ridge on the top.
0: The view was great. You could see Greylock, and that yes. was the only redeeming factor of that fucking mountain. Well, let
2: me tell you, the best mountain in that whole range is called Allander. It's okay. spelled A-L-A-N-D-E-R, and it has a south summit that is actually the high point for Columbia County, New York. Oh. It's probably slightly shorter of a drive than Race, and the view is like 20 times better than Race. You, okay. can see all, you can see all of the cat skills from the summit of Allender.
1: Oh, that's awesome. All right, I'm adding that on Allender. Yeah, and
2: it has a really right. creepy-looking cabin near the summit, too.
1: We like creepy. Yes, creepy cabins are awesome.
2: <laughs>
0: Just like
1: Blood, Blood Mountain. Mountain. Yes. So we have a Blood Mountain story that we should tell on the podcast at one point. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So we are coming up on our hour, and we are going to oh blatantly rip off Trail Tales. Do you listen to Trail Tales, by the way?
2: I do not. I do not. My, yes. my I gotta say, my my podcasts are mostly limited to true crime stuff, like serial killers. Oh yeah, true. I okay. True That's crime exactly crime what you garage. want to hear from some guy who hangs out in the woods, right?
1: <laughs> Mrs. Cranky loves the True Crime Garage podcasts. Yes. Um, So, and us. Thank you for finding us. So, (laughs) yeah. So, look up Trail Tales. It is another prominent hiking podcast. And then also look up on the YouTubes, Kyle Hates Hiking. It's the same guy. and 46
0: 46 on
2: 46 is another one. Oh, yeah.
1: Do you listen to 46 on 46? James Appleton, who's another prominent Adirondacks hiker.
2: I gave it a chance. I gave it a chance, but I I, I really, really like uh, the true crime stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha.
1: Totally get it.
2: Um, or, or, you know, singing along to music where nobody can hear me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Karaoke is what I call it.
1: <laughs> so do you have uh, a quick trail story that you would like to share before we get out of here?
2: uh sure so in let's see i think it was 2019 yes summer 2019 there was a guy who was missing he was from dorchester mass and he was lost in the white mountains for like a week he had he had he had been doing a pemi loop Mm -hmm. he was an older gentleman i think he was 70 And he was doing a Pemi loop and he left on Monday and then his wife didn't hear from him after that. And that Friday, I did a Bonds traverse with two friends of mine. And the Bonds are part of the Pemi loop. And we did it as a car spot where we started in Zealand Road and we finished down at Lincoln Woods. And while we were up on the ridge, there were Blackhawk helicopters. I think they were Blackhawks. And they were searching and we knew about that guy and I thought for sure he was dead I was like there's no way that this guy could survive a week well wouldn't you know after I went down went over Bond Cliff and came down like right where the trail leveled off like maybe three or four miles from Lincoln Woods he was there he just wandered he just wandered out of the woods and everything wow And yeah isn't that crazy
1: that's nuts and he was yeah.
2: okay he looked okay no. No. Looked- <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, he was he was kind of incoherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he was. I think he was. Uh, dehi- definitely dehydrated, dehydrated,
1: malnourished. The whole yeah.
2: He looked dirty and sunburned, right? Which yep. would make sense. It was the summertime, you know.
1: So what did you do? Um, did you
2: obviously? I wasn't. I, I was like the second or third person who saw him, and I think some kids ran back. And then some, I think some kids ran back to alert the authorities who were at the Lincoln Woods trailhead. And then um, me and the two girls I was with, we started hiking back. At one point, we encountered the authorities who were driving up the trail on an ATV. and I took a picture of them. And I told them exactly where the guy was. And then they went and they rescued him. and um and I posted on the New Hampshire 4,000 footer group that I was there when he emerged from the woods and everything and then uh then I I was I stayed in New Hampshire that night and then the news called I don't know the news got my phone number somehow the news in Boston and they wanted me to come to their studio in Boston (laughs) to talk about it and I was like no I'm in New Hampshire still and I'm hiking you know I'm not gonna drive to Boston so they were like can we FaceTime you and I was like sure so I FaceTimed them in my car at a gas station and I ended up being on the news in Boston (laughs) and they, they gave they they plugged my name and they used my um my helicopter video that I shot in their news footage and um I they said they couldn't pay me, but uh I asked them if they would plug my Instagram and they did, which was nice. Really cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very cool. Wow, what a story.
1: That's but I awesome. still have
2: a link to, I still have a link to the newscast. I can send you guys the yeah, link. Yeah, that would be when, great. Yeah,
1: we have our first hero on the Rocks and Roots podcast. <laughs> no, stop <laughs> it. Stop <laughs> it. That's that's a really cool story um speaking
0: well, of your instagram could you yes. would you mind plugging your instagram and handle?
1: anything else you want out there
2: well my instagram is lives for summits and that's with the number four so lives the number four and then summits um i do sell my photography i i, I which I, is uh, gorgeous
1: by the way people
2: thanks <laughs> i so i do i do framed prints i usually do 11 by 14s or 16 by 20s Um, but hey, if you go on my Instagram and you see a picture you love, contact me and I'll, you know, I'll sell you a a framed print. Cool. Um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the, I'm on all the different hiking groups and everything. I try to stay away from the Adirondack one though, because the Adirondack backcountry hikers one, it seems to be a lot of negativity. So I, I, I I just stay, I just stay away from there. And that's another reason the Adirondacks leave me with a bad taste in my mouth, but I'll I'll keep going to the Adirondacks. I'll keep going up there. Um, but yeah, check me out on Instagram. And it was you know great talking to you guys. I I, I was also on the To Summit Up podcast as well a couple of years ago.
1: Okay, we'll check we'll that, check one, that out. one
2: out. Worth checking out. It's an Adirondack one oh, to sum okay. it up. Yeah.
1: Great. We will
0: definitely check that out. And for any of you who are on any of these groups or on Instagram, do say hi to Chris. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you this evening. Thank you for giving us some time, especially since you're not hiking today
1: or tomorrow. And we really, really appreciate it. I don't
2: think you ever said my last name. It's Chris Calabrese. Okay, I wasn't
1: sure if you wanted that out there, so we left that vague. Um... And, yeah, we will definitely have you back on when you complete the uh, Terrifying 25, if you're willing. Um, Yeah,
2: sure. It'll probably be next summer. Probably. Sweet.
1: Excellent. That'll be perfect. All right. Thank you very much, sir. And um, we don't know. We had plans. We don't know what we're doing tomorrow. I, but, uh, I
0: sprained my ankle pretty badly. I heard a pop. So it's currently in a soft cast right now. <laughs> so that ain't it. I don't know if any hiking's happening yes. tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, that's for another time. Like us and love us on the gram as per standard. Rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod. Cranky is cranky underscore score. Marcy (laughs) (laughs) McStumbles. Don't follow me, and we'll catch you on the next one. Ciao.